hello um welcome to my anti sex and sexualities class final podcast um my name is nicholas davis sipake um and to start off and like preface the the podcast i wanted to say that like the inspiration for this came out of my response to heartbreak and the rough dating field for gender for for gender divergent people um and to to place myself within like that category i do identify as a non-binary person um as a non-binary man um and i also use they them pronouns um so i consider myself within the field of gender divergent people um and the response to heartbreak and the response to the rough dating field um is me trying to paint the logics behind the mistreatment of queer people and especially queer femmes and trans feminine people uh but to which i also identify as like a feminine person um so since this podcast is very personal to me um and uh a lot of the inspiration came out of heartbreak um and dealing with the love life of a crazy college student um i thought it would also be a good idea to use a lot of the analysis that i took from this class um to find ways to understand joy and pleasure and like the multiplicities within those um and how they could be found within like the the uh, all of like my relationships with people um and the land and non-human neighbors and stuff um and i i i want to talk about that so i'm not just privileging the notion of love and dating in a monogamous relationship which is like kind of created by capitalist systems and colonial systems and so on um so to get started i want to first start talking about the compulsory compulsory heterosexuality piece by Adrian Reich. Um, I I really like when she mentions the primal male fear of the woman, um, where men really fear that women could be indifferent to them altogether, that men could be allowed sexual and emotional, therefore economic, access to women only on women's terms otherwise being left on the periphery of the matrix. This got me thinking in how the woman's call for agency and autonomy and freedom requires men to decenter, decenter themselves from the from that scheme. Um, and it is decentering themselves that derives fear since it means that men are being stripped of their privilege and ability to exploit women. Um, and I I was thinking a lot about, like, 
what what it meant to exploit women like what why are men exploiting women like what what's the desire behind that um and i i found a lot of that in foucault's analysis um uh especially in like his biopolitics of the right to life and the right to death um when he was describing like the shift of power um in human populations being governed like by by death um to them being gov- governed by life or like what what I got out of it it was the construction of normalcy like building what it means to be the model human for um whatever nation state or like populist body that you're a part of um and in his analysis shift of power relation um women are construction constructed and defined by the ability to reproduce and are subjugated to surveillance by the state by the dogma that women are essential to keeping the nation state alive and therefore women or not women children um who are are produced by women um are also essential to the state as a body of constituents that need training to fulfill the ideal normative person that's constructed um, by state-imposed definitions of, of personhood. Um, so there, there was only really definition for like what woman is and for what child is. Uh, and I saw that there was a lack of definition for what man is or what how race was involved within this whole perspective so I was like all right okay I could like see clearly that this is a white guy writing an analysis on um sexuality um and he's privileging basically the multiplicity in the white male identity um so thank you Foucault um but anyways the definition of like the woman and the child um and like even though he doesn't define the man the man is like still within that scheme these actors serve as an idea of the family model that become essential to the proliferation of the nation state and like uh, although like this is kind of a very basic like woman and gender studies concept um his discussion of power pushed my perceptions of sex um because he was talking a lot about the concept of sexuality being constructed by power and like hegemonic power um and because of the fixed idea of the family sex and sexuality became became a way to define a path to happiness and fulfillment in the population um and what 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 i mean by that is like we have uh, these dominant power structures um that define like what it is to be a person and a person within the state and as a person within the state you uh, are supposed to adhere to the definition of like what you're supposed to be or like what your role is um and you perform like sex and sexuality like 
an adherence to that. Um, so, in synthesis with um, Adrian um, Reich's commentary of the fear men have of living of women living without men um i i think that that commentary speaks on incel culture um and that like incel culture is essentially the manifestation of that fear that evolves into the the depression and anxiety that's like often often felt within that like identity group that's ultimately a result of the expectation of happiness and sex from the promise of their object, which is women. Um, incels, um, incels are a case study for men that have fear of losing power over women. Um, and I, I think incels kind of show what what that fear looks like when it's like when when it's turned sour um and when it goes too far um and I, I was really inspired by this video that I saw by this trans philosopher and video essayist her name is ContraPoints you should definitely check her out she's amazing um but she essentially does this super long video analysis that's like amazing on um incels and how um, the evolution of incel behavior becomes violent um, in that like men decentering decentering themselves from women's lives removes their insurance of being sexually fulfilled and therefore like fulfilled in the definition of what it means to be human defined like by the state which is like being a part of like the nuclear family and being like straight and being a part of like cisgendered heteronormative patriarchy so along with the invention of the sexual object through such cis heteropatriarchy the woman exists as an imagination that is freely formed by what the state mandates as appropriate typically being a person existing along the lines of straight white able-bodied cisgendered and fertile the state invented hetero heterosexuality to place normalcy on the types of relationships that people have with each other, meaning like with their friends, family, partners, and peers, and with themselves. So the idea of woman, the the other half to the heterosexual man, um, therefore the half needed in order to be complete and to find happiness in sex, becomes so obscured that any deviation of normal um, or normalized womanhood becomes distasteful, unattractive, and unwanted. Considering that these concepts are not general, the creation of cis-heteropatriarchy was not a worldwide event. It is definitely a white and western phenomenon that was uh, spread through tools of like settler colonialism, capitalism, and imperialism. So the idea of the perfect family of the state is based off of racist ideas that privilege whiteness, cisgenderedness, and able-bodiedness. The box is made, but so are the margins. Um, and in those margins are people that are black, people that are brown, people that are indigenous, the queers, trans people, 
fat people, neurodivergent people, depressed people, and and so on. Um, basically, anyone who who lies outside of the box of white straight men and women. Um, so, what what strikes strikes me is that being someone who exists between the intersections of being feminine, gender nonconforming, assigned male at birth, and someone who desires masculine men is that there are reasons for the realities of uh, my dating and relationship life. And being a femboy comes with problems such as fetishization, where like our feminist is so centered in our relationship to the point of objectification. And uh, another problem is DL men or like down low men which are men who are too afraid to publicly love queer men or feminine boys or trans women due to the fear of shame and the public questioning of their own sexuality um and another problem is the marginalization and violence um from men that see our deviant gender expressions and sexual identities as a poison to society so when I'm thinking about femboys, like through this analysis, femboys are interpreted as delusional in thinking that we could have like a masculine straight man fall in love with us if we're if we pretend to to act like women or to embody femininity. Um and like in this constellation of how cis heteropatriarchy has manifested itself to shape the objectifying of femininity. And when I mean objectifying, I mean like in a more Freudian sense of like becoming the object of desire or having the ability to be the object of desire. Um, Cis heteropatriarchy has made it so like the becoming of the object or like the ability to um, be the object is it, it excludes like feminine boys and it exclu- excludes like non-binary people and like trans women and trans people in general um and it, it it puts us in like a socio-sexual field and arena that like places those identities in a position to get treated poorly um because then again like we're not a part of the nuclear family or the idea of what the state mandates as uh as a person um meaning like we're we're not the butchest man and we're we're also not the most feminine or like fertile woman where we're not like that crazy idea of what is constructed to be woman um so yeah, I want to follow this with talking about an example of transphobia and like the difficulties that fem fem people um and like trans women face in the dating field um so 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 basically there there's this thing called um super straight that was created on the platform of tiktok um and 
if you don't know what TikTok is, I don't know what you're doing, um, Gariga Lopez, um, but um, TikTok is like Vine, like Instagram, you, you share like really short videos, um, and uh, essentially a couple of days ago, actually, um, someone came up with the sexuality of super straight. And it was um, a straight boy, a white straight boy, that was like, oh, um, I thought it would be really important for me to bring this up um, because a lot of people have been accusing me for being, like, really transphobic because I say that I don't want to date trans women. Um, And then he's like, okay, I'm going to use the logics of the LGBT community and construct my own sexuality and call out people that call me transphobic because what they're doing is actually like subjugating my newfound super straight sexuality, which is really fucked up. Um, But I've been saying like super straight so much and I haven't defined it. Um, And super straight essentially means uh, um, a cisgendered person or I, I don't know if it's defined as a cisgendered person. It's like, I don't think you have to be a cisgendered person to be super straight, but it's a person that uh, could only like fall in love or desire a, another cisgendered person of the opposite sex. Um, and like, I, I just think that's so fucked up. Um also part of my language I don't know if it's okay for me to curse on this podcast but it it makes me really mad and it makes me really sad to to see that that one video blew up so much um and now there's like a flag for it um and a lot of people are like writing it off as a joke without realizing that there there's just a lot of like hidden transphobia um within the whole like super straight narrative um and it's like really invalidating to trans women and and it's not that like trans women or feminine people or like the lgbt community even like cares if these other men or women that are super straight like don't want to date trans people um or gender diverse people like no one wants their love anyways um but it's like the defining of like oh you're not this um even though like you're trying to be or whatever um so we're not gonna like we're we're gonna actively exclude you um and yeah i I don't have that much like more analysis on it um mainly because I I wanted like a more organic conversation about like the super straight um but yeah essentially the whole idea of super straight makes me mad um and I feel like it comes from like these ideas of like the the family um and how like sex and sexuality like was constructed um through through the creation of the perf- the model human um within a nation state um yeah all right so um i'm going to move on to the next point of uh, 
the that I'm trying to make in my podcast um and the these were the thoughts that I got from reading Patrick um Califia's piece on um speaking sex to power um I basically what I got out of it is that disabled and trans people reveal deep fears and realities of the human conditions that others don't want to face we are ever-changing and the definitions for what makes us who we are are not all encapsulating there will be moments where we don't conform to the monolith of masculinity femininity straightness and so on and we should be able to welcome that change and work towards building support systems that aid us in that change we should not be unwelcoming to our ongoing evolution of self-perception we get into the idea of fear and fearing the body and fearing the human condition that is brought up by normalized bodies that don't welcome change. In the sight of the disabled body, as um, Califia says, like people embody an understanding of their being and sees the fragility of our human vessels. Um, and although it may be un welcomed depending on the circumstance like consciousness changes under forced conditions and the soul finds a way to live in its new vessel it shows just how much we need to be more comfortable with becoming and changing and leaning into newness within our conditions ability feeling um desires and and so on and in the perspective in the trans perspective change is is a welcome part of our humanity. There's a desire to change and evolve into the form that suits one's self-perception. Not only fear, but anger is attached towards trans individuals and their ability to change and choose their role in the gendered arena of relationships. Um, It's a shift from understanding who who we're supposed to be to understanding that we have agency and who we become and who we become is a reflection of how we interact and find ourselves within the spectrum of people that populate our communities. That is to say that our gender is tied to the land and the sexual fields that we surround ourselves with. And our gender is forever evolving and creating new meanings for itself. These perspectives and conversations that that Califia brings furthered my understanding of desire and normalcy in my sexual being to find that my identity is not fixed and I'm fluid. Um, and th- that's not to say that I didn't already know that. Um, and I, I've always been conscious of the fact that like my, my feelings about myself are, are going to change and the way that my body is shaped is going to change and the conditions that like define who I am now like will not be the same as they are later on in my life however I I I think I'm more in a position to welcome that change and to understand that and to understand that like as a process um of life um and I, I think I find more like appreciation and beauty in uh, in in my trans body essentially um yeah so i i want to move on now from that point 
to talk about the queer ecologies paper um i really like that paper uh because it had me thinking about like our connection to nature and the batter battle of like humans separating themselves from what nature is um and i really like the story towards the end of that was talking about like this trans character that that's by this creek um and they would essentially go by and uh, dress as a young man and like equip themselves with like male clothes hunting um and hunting implements including a spear and uh, essentially what happens in the story is that an old man who walks by them finds out that like they they are not like biologically a man um and that they are trans um so so this character dies um but the way that the story is told it's not that the main character dies it's more that the the main character transforms the the main character like turns into the creek that they're on um and I, I thought that it was really beautiful. Um, and what, what, when I'm thinking about like Patrick Califia's piece on, um, on speaking power to sex, uh, but I, I, I'm thinking about like the inevitability of our, our conditions changing, um, and that like that doesn't stop at death um and it continues like through death we are still present but in a different rea- re- relationality to the land and to humans and to non-humans um and it's us like having that different re- relationality as like a dead being um that like then further gets changed like of of eventually this character becomes a part of the land they're forever transformed and the land is forever transformed as their body decomposes into the creek and begins its relationship with the process of decomposition so there's like so much going on here uh but and i i think what like this story does is that it's really good at like centering this trans body and this trans person and giving them like power and agency even through even through death um and and i think that's really beautiful um and i i also think that since we're viewing the, the this trans character as like becoming a part of the land um like being one with it but also like still being there it's that that's a way for us to to get into the conversation and understand that the land has personhood um and that things that aren't alive have personhood and that plants and animals have personhood um so the, this makes me think a lot about our conversation that we had um i forgot which week but it was one of our last conversations about the the dumb the dom and the sub um and it really transformed my thinking about my relationships to others 
in terms of balanced and unbalanced. Um, so, like, in the sexual scene of the dominant and the submissive, the dominant holds power over the sub, but in the frame of a, a balanced relationship, um, the, the sub holds power to, to consent to, to what's going on, um, to consent to the actions that, like, the dom is going to do, and to give permission to the dom to assert their power in sexuality, um, and the, the, this means that the sub, the sub's power has to be, like, held higher, like, to a higher importance, um, as not to create an unbalanced relationship, so in an unbalanced framework the dom could assert their power without consent but this would like change the makeup of the relationship um and like because because it's unbalanced like this then becomes a a site of exploitation and violence enacted on the submissive subject so the this imbalance is reflected in our capacity to recognize, I, I think, personhood within the subject. Um, it is when personhood is not read that it becomes possible for the dom to disregard the consent of the sub. Um, that Therefore, like, if we don't see personhood in the other thing, like, we could exploit it. So, such as with black and brown bodies and indigenous communities, and um like uh, other like subordinated like peoples um or oppressed peoples dominant white settlers and imperialists have been like recorded to see like these identities like especially black brown brown and indigenous like identities as below human and unable to inhabit um personhood and therefore like these doms aka like the the white settlers they are in, able to inhibit the sympathy that comes with recognizing personhood so then they go exploit all these black brown and indigenous people um and i i i think that the the same logic can be applied to the land and non-human entities and that we have a relationship with them. It is embedded in a lot of indigenous knowledge that there is personhood within our non-human neighbors, and that we must practice a relationship of mutual aid, consent, and respect as to not create imbalance between us and the land. However, our current practices as colonized people have severed the relationship between humans and non-humans so greatly that there's no doubt that we have an unbalanced relationship with the land. We are in a position where it is essential to see how we exploit the land in both um, its physicality and in its spirit. Um, and it's important for us to create new and repair relationships with non-human neighbors. So in tandem with the Queer Ecologies paper, the contract of the dom and the sub can be used as a narrative for naturalizing queer relationships and using the dom and sub model as a technology to heal our relationship with the land and to like assess what it is um 
I like really loved that paper, by the way. Um, and I really loved the discussion of the Dom and the subs. That was probably like my favorite thing throughout the quarter. Um, especially since it allowed me to like make this connection that I find so often in my critical ethnic ethnic studies classes. Um, so yeah. Um, the next point that I want to talk about is uh, the manifesto that we read, um, which was to, to have done with the massacre of the body by Felix Gu, Gu, Guattari. Um, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but I was really inspired by the line where he said, we want to recover the pleasures of producing pleasure um, and of creating pleasures which have been ruthlessly quashed by educational systems charged with manufacturing obedient worker consumers. Um, and like after I read that, I think I, I really under I really started to understand the specific end goals um, that a radical sexual movement asked for and that it it, it demands a centering of pleasure um, and uh, centering like the the pleasure of doing pleasurable things like, like he just said um, and we we want a world where we're able to listen to ourselves and our needs and to build models that support our desires um, and that we want to move away from the idea of shame and we want to look at the truths of the human condition in the eye and accept them and love each other for the multiplicity and manifestations of the soul um, through the confines and limitations uh, of humanness. Um, yeah, so I, I, I feel like the manifesto is where I get into the part of me trying to understand the availability of like joy and fulfillment um, and pleasure without the idea of what well, without men without straight men um without the idea of love and monogamy um as constructed by by the na nation state um and this manifesto is saying to center to center joy and to center pleasure but like in all the things that bring those things out. Um, so joy and pleasure don't have to come from like a relationship. It's not promise after I find a, a man that like gives me what I want and like satiates my, my, my want for that. It like doesn't become a need. It just becomes a desire. Um, and I, I feel like this manifesto allows me to put myself in a place where like there are other types of relationships out there 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 are so many ways that I could connect myself to the land um and give respect to the land that is fulfilling there are ways to have relationships with the community and all of our like non-human community members that aren't really tapped into um and the, these are types of knowledges that are heavily embedded within a lot of, like, in 
indigenous like scholarship or just like indigenous ancestral knowledge in general um and that that's a large part of our humanity that we don't get to participate in as people who like live in as colonized people who live in urban settings or like live with without the connection to ancestral knowledge or live without the the co- collection of appreciations for like the the world and all the relationships that we could have with the world um yeah so i want to bring this back to what i was talking about in the beginning at the very very beginning about how this whole podcast was inspired by uh, by heartbreak in dating um and a part of the answer i feel to to those feelings of oh the dating life for like queer men and feminine men and trans women is hard um like the answer to that is understanding that trans women need justice um and that it's like in the liberation of trans women that will ultimately benefit everyone um and like be be because of the men because of men's obscure idea of womanhood or just the obscured idea of womanhood like with inhabited within the state purity and innocence become essential to the construction and expectation of what woman is in that case the transition and metamorphosis of becoming a woman gets skewed as a joke um it's incomprehensible um that a person assigned male at birth can fit into a category of woman or in like relationship to the spectrum of like woman and femininity because like also woman and femininity are like entangled within each other so 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 people within like that gender diverse category like the their stories um and their lived experiences are like laughable to the cis heteropatriarchy um and like to see trans women as women like within that context like doesn't make sense since like womanhood is being defined biologically and by the subordination that women have experience because of their biological definition of and this makes me think back to the queer ecologies paper when nicole seymour engages with edward abby's book the the monkey wrench gang and he, he talks about like the realness of the grand canyon and like the raw untampered nature of it and like its opposition to culture with its artificial social customs and constructed landscapes um and i really agreed with um with Seymour when when they were talking about how uh, edward abbey basically screams like i'm a transphobic white man within that whole narrative um because not 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 only is he trying to 
make the the narrative of trans women say that like oh they're they're artificial um they're constructed and it's like not like the he he doesn't highlight the beauty in that you know like the the framework and context is to like be opposed to that and like essentially be transphobic to that um so i i really agree with um say more on that and i also feel like he has no um critical consciousness of of the land and like the the relation relationality to the land um because he supports the active separation of personhood from the land um and he doesn't have acknowledgement of the agency that all aspects of the land have including all of its non-human neighbors um such as uh, like the the land the river the rocks and like all those things all have like consciousness together to be able to like build themselves and construct themselves um but like since he doesn't attach personhood to that that in his head it's it's like raw it's like untouched um it's natural um and and that's what makes it beautiful and that that that's what separates that that that's what separates change in a natural sense and like change in a in a trans sense which he was kind of talking about um in the paper so like through his thinking i feel that like the whole thing that patrick califia was talking about um is that 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 the fear of transformation is revealed um and he has very unwelcoming arms to self authorship um where where's the account for the pleasure in creation if if all knowledge and rules and ideas are constructed we should be finding beauty in the active critical and creative process of making our own reality um and the the idea of criticizing a person's realness and authenticness is the reaction to the expectation of purity and innocence um and uh, that that makes me think about the the way that trans women are treated and uh, trans women like aren't loved and are often disrespected because they are seen as constructed they they are not seen as natural or real or authentic um and they that they're seen as like deviating from like the pureness and innocence of what like being a woman is because in in the narrative of uh, like this the transphobic consciousness like this is a man that became a woman um so this is a tainted woman um that like used to be a man um which is stupid and transphobic um so in in the extreme imagination of woman in its most like authentic and unattainable unattainable form um a hierarchy is made which stars whiteness and cisgenderedness and able-bodiedness and so on um and subjugates trans women to being like at the bottom of 
of womanhood. Um, and I, the, the thing, thinking about all this, um, I also wanted to include in this podcast that there, we, we should be resisting that narrative, um, and we should be creating and coming up with language and content and emphasize that like trans women should be celebrated because of the like elevated consciousness that they give us um and it the the elevated consciousness comes from like the ability to to welcome their evolution in in their gender identity and in their self-perception um and uh, like changing what they def what they themselves define themselves as to to have that fit who they actually are um so if we're able to build a world where trans women of color receive the love that they deserve i believe that gender diverse people including feminine men will also reap the benefit yeah, so I kind of don't have that much else to say, but I want to end off this podcast with a quote that I found on Instagram that I really liked, um, and I thought you would really like it too. Um, I I wish I had an author name, um, but here it is. It said, God blessed me by making me trans for the same reason God made wheat, but not bread, and fruit, but not wine so that humanity might share in the act of creation. So yeah, um, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Um, and I had a really good quarter um, in this class. Even though the pandemic sucked, I, I feel like I still got a lot out of our conversations and the readings. Um, so thank you. Peace out.